a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. Coming up on Global Business, Spring Festival consumption boom. We continue to track China's holiday spending surge as the country marks day four of an eight-day holiday break. Vacation wave. Chinese tourists are spending abroad as international travel surges over the Chinese New Year holiday, with Southeast Asia a top destination. And the mind of the future. We take a closer look at the potential evolution of cognition with the rise of brain-computer interface technology. And welcome everyone to Global Business here on CGTN. I'm Michael Wong here in Beijing. We begin with China's Spring Festival consumption. Well, it's day four of the eight-day holiday break, and across the country, we are seeing a surge in tourist flows and cultural activities. On the first day of the holiday, travel bookings surged already twofold year on year. Data shows that total passenger visits to key commercial areas exceeded 15.6 million from Friday to Sunday nationwide, marking a 111% increase on a yearly basis. According to the online travel booking platform Fliggy, travel surges have surpassed pre-pandemic levels. Domestic tourism is seeing a surge to non-provincial capital cities like Quanzhou, Beihai, and Luoyang, with travel bookings to these cities increasing by more than 20 times. And to China's booming movie market, where data from Maoyan, that's China's leading online ticketing services platform, shows that China's box office revenues have topped over 900 million U.S. dollars so far this year. Now this is around 300 million dollars more compared to the United States, and currently ranks first worldwide. The strong numbers are driven by a surge of moviegoers during the Chinese New Year holiday. Cinemas across the country have raked in over 4 billion yuan, or around 586 million U.S. dollars, during the holiday alone. The top-grossing film *You Only Live Once* has generated more than 1.4 billion yuan. That's roughly one third of the holiday box office total. The comedy film *Pegasus 2* follows in second place with a revenue of nearly 1.3 billion yuan, and the animated film *Boonie Bear: Time Twist* rounds out the top three with around 777 million yuan in ticket sales. While various events are being held in southwest China's Sichuan province during the week-long Spring Festival holiday, drawing thousands of local tourists and foreign visitors to the capital city of Chengdu, Zheng Songwu has more. Now I'm at Wuhouzi, a very famous temple in Sichuan province. Thousands of visitors visit here every day since the beginning of the Spring Festival holiday. And there's also a big fair for the visitors from China and other countries to celebrate holiday. Sichuan Province has always been a favorite destination for holiday makers. As of Monday, about six million tourists had visited the top attractions in the province, generating over 10 million U.S. dollars in revenue during the Spring Festival holiday. It is estimated that over 130,000. International trips will pass through the Chengdu entering and exiting border checkpoint. Chengdu is one of the most important cities in southwestern China, and many travelers, both domestic and international, consider it as an important transit city for their flights. And many travelers from Xi'an, Guangzhou, Shanghai, and Beijing, and also visitors from Malaysia, the United States, Australia, and other countries will visit Chengdu. 
Meanwhile, the winter economy or ice and snow activity, sports and tourism is seeing rapid growth here in China. For example, skiing has become increasingly popular during the spring festival holiday. And as our Su Xinbo reports, it's not only China's colder regions up north that's seeing a skiing boom, but cities in the country's warmer south, such as Chengdu in Sichuan province, is also experiencing a rise in demand when it comes to winter sports. Take a look. Ice and snow sports are getting traction during this year's Chinese New Year celebrations in Chengdu, thanks to a series of events organized by the local government. Skiing enthusiasts gathered at a ski resort in western Chengdu to participate in various ice and snow sports activities. I think it's very convenient for us skiers in southern cities because there are very few ski resorts here. I'm delighted to have found this ski resort that caters to our skiing passion. Simultaneously, the city is providing consumers with more opportunities for ice and snow activities. A theme park in Chengdu has transformed a 6,500 square meter lawn into a ski lope and skating rinks, offering locals a winter-like experience. I feel great because I've never celebrated New Year like this before. While everyone goes to Harbin, I can also experience the joy of playing with snow right here in Chengdu. In addition, new decorations and performances have been introduced, enhancing the festive atmosphere of the Spring Festival. Activities such as rose displays, line and long dances, and poetry readings have attracted a large number of local and tourists. The popularity of ice and snow sports has also created a new growth point for Chengdu sports consumption economy. According to the report by the General Administration of Sports, ice and snow sports have become the most participated sport among Chengdu citizens. The rising demand for ice and snow sports equipment sales, sports training, and tourism has formed a new consumption model, expected to continue driving the local economy's growth. Su Xinbo, CGTN, Beijing. Now for more on China's holiday consumption boom, I want to bring in Wang Rei, Associate Professor of Marketing at Peking University's Guanghua School of Management. Uh, Professor Wang, first of all, happy Chinese New Year's to you. Uh, second of all, let's talk about the holiday consumption boom, because we now see holiday consumption spending surpassing pre-pandemic levels here in China. Can we consider this year's holiday spending as pent-up demand still being released, or a new normal of stronger post-pandemic holiday spending? Thank you, Michael. And and also happy Chinese New Year to you and to everyone. Uh, to answer your question, so I I think it's uh, kind of a yes and no uh, answer to your question. So basically, we have show from the data that you just uh, you know show us from the online travel book website and also the movie data. We did show it's kind of you know releasing of the uh, pent up uh, demand from you know the uh, post pandemic. But you know the other question is, would that kind of you know released demand will transfer into a normal status of like holiday spending? And you can see that you know people are actually already showing this kind of enthusiasm, not just during the spring festival, such as you know Harbin become a very popular traveling city like a one month back. Uh, before the spring festival. So it's kind of, you know, uh, people are like to go out and try to experience new things even before the festival and holidays. So we can see that it's kind of, you know, uh, due to the releasing of the Panama demand, but I kind of, you know, very confident that this kind of, you know, will, you know, translate into a later, a normal status of a holiday spending later.
Mm. And, and Professor Wong, there is an absolute surge in consumption related to cultural activities when it comes to tourism. What kind of spillover effects does this surge have on other forms of consumption and demand? Uh, of course, there is a lot of a spillover effects. It's like, you know, when you travel, it's also a very good news for the transportation industry, the catering industry, and also from the movie clip, you can also see that, you know, even for the sports industry, right? You know, people, when they travel to new places, they try to ski, they try the different things. That's the reason why the snow economy kind of booming up this year, uh, also in China. So that shows uh, the sports Sports industry, such as the sports apparel and also these equipment, will be uh, also a good news for the industry as well. So as you can see, the demand and the consumption are releasing from this cultural activities. Uh, the issue is basically is, you know, do we have more like holiday spending phenomena like this? So it's kind of a, uh, again related to your last question. So it's it's kind of a showing, you know, people are more into a holiday spending, not just in the holidays, but they also want to enjoy more you know, time and enjoy that life in the regular times. Okay, so that's domestic tourism, domestic demand. We're also seeing more Chinese tourists traveling abroad this spring festival break. Professor Wong, what kind of economic impact do you think this will have when it comes to neighboring countries? I think it's, uh, it's definitely a very good economic impact. Uh, and also, uh, as you know, the news says, you know, the Southeast Asia countries become like the top traveling abroad uh, 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 cities. That's because the visa, you know, uh, free issue uh, policies that make uh, it's very easier for uh, Chinese to travel abroad to these countries. So over time, when we have more like, you know, countries and areas have more better policies for Chinese travel, and these areas will also have more economic impact. For But for me, I think it's more important to see it's kind of also a cultural impact as well. Because when we have more Chinese to travel abroad, we have a lot of, you know, interpersonal communication, uh, which shows like, you know, when if, to that the outside people to show uh, and to see a lot of the good things about the Chinese, because we have, uh, you know, not many Chinese travel abroad over the past three years. So it's not a good uh, economic impact as well, but also a cultural impact. Yeah, absolutely. And China, of course, likes to highlight certain consumption themes. And because of the scale of the Chinese economy, whenever there's a focus on a certain theme, I feel like there can be a big consumption boom in that area. So how do you see the potential of, let's say, green consumption, let's say health and wellness and smart products as areas where Chinese consumers will be willing to devote more wallet share towards? And are there other areas of consumption that you see with strong demand potential going forward? Okay, I think these three areas you pick uh, are definitely are like the top choices. But if if let me to prioritize among the three areas, I would say health definitely is the best. Like, you know, uh, because I think because of the pandemic, uh, a lot of people are really care about the well-being and health uh, status. And also the reason why people like to go out and especially to exercise more and do more sports is also associated with the, like the health concern. And the other thing is like the smart 
you know, um, you know, um, products such as the smart cars, and also uh, new electronic products such as like the Vision Pro by Apple recently. So it's like these technology, uh, you know, advanced products will also, you know, stimulate. Uh, the you know uh, people's consumption and also of course the green consumption. Green consumption is like it's also associated with the travel uh, uh, booming uh, that you just discussed with me. It's like you know why people want to go out, especially go to different places into the mountains. Is because like they actually are like to have a lot of like green consumption, not only into the uh, like products, but also like these kind of a travel. It's also kind of you know green consumption as well. Okay. Okay, we'll leave it there. Professor Wang, many thanks for your thoughts on all of that. Okay. Wang Ray, their Associate Professor of Marketing at Peking University's Guanghua School of Management. Well, international travel is surging during this Chinese New Year holiday. According to the National Immigration Administration, China is expected to see an average of 1.8 million daily inbound and outbound passenger trips during this Spring Festival holiday. That's about 3.3 times more compared to the same period last year. Thailand, Singapore, and Malaysia remain the top destinations for Chinese tourists. That boost is in part thanks to the recent introduction of visa exemption policies. Meanwhile, tourism to Belt and Road countries are also gaining in popularity, with the number of trips to Kazakhstan, the United Arab Emirates, and the Maldives up over 5% compared to 2019. A China Tourism Academy report said Chinese tourists are expected to make some 130 million outbound trips by the end of this year. And China's Ministry of Transport is forecasting some 9 billion passenger trips being made during this year's Spring Festival. Our Youyang reports on how the country's airlines stands ready to meet this record-breaking travel demand. The footsteps of people returning home for reunions are being heard at airports across China during the biggest festival season. And the country's civil aviation administration says a record high number of passenger trips is expected during this year's travel rush. We came to Beijing for traveling, and now we're heading back to home, Shanghai, to celebrate the Spring Festival. My family's waiting for us, and this year we have seen lots of travelers at the airport. I'm going to Paris. My husband is working there. We can spend two weeks together to celebrate a traditional Chinese New Year in Paris. <laughs> this is Spring Festival travel rush will last 40 days. An earlier China Civil Aviation Tradition says the sector is expected to handle 80 million passenger trips during this period. That's an average of about 2 million per day. This represents a 10% increase over the 2019 Spring Festival travel rush figure and an increase of nearly 45% year on year. Authorities say the travel volume is expected to hit peaks on February 16th, 20th, and 25th. 2024 during the 2024 Spring Festival travel rush, Air China plans to operate over 67,000 passenger flights, an increase of 32% compared to the 2019 period and over 40% compared to the level of last year. Some of the popular destinations are cities in Beijing, Tianjin, Hebei region, Guangdong, Hong Kong, Macau, Greater Bay Area, as well as Sanya and Haikou in South China's Hainan province. 
Chinese Civil Aviation Administration believes the outbound tourism markets will see a short-term peak during the spring festival travel rush. In countries in the region such as Japan, South Korea and Southeast Asia are popular destinations. And more direct flights between China and the Belt and Road partner countries started from the beginning of this year. During the 2024 Spring Festival, Air China will carry out 187 international and regional flights per day, which is 79% compared with the level of 2019. We have scheduled 105 international routes, including 54 flight routes traveling to the Belt and Road partner countries, 92% of the 2019 level. Those destinations include Astana, Istanbul, Colombo, and more. Meanwhile, China Southern Airlines has launched flights between Beijing and El Motsi, the largest city in Kazakhstan, and China Eastern Airlines has opened a route to Kuala Lumpur. Experts say with China achieving comprehensive mutual visa exemptions arrangements with 23 countries including Thailand, Singapore and the Maldives, the tourism market during this spring festival is expected to see the hottest outbound tourism in five years. Yu Yang Sujitian, Beijing. Whether it's about your education, the home you live in, or the items you buy, your money has a story to tell because every business story is a human story. Global Business. Well, telepathy has long been considered the stuff of science fiction, but controlling computers or other devices, including prosthetics, with the human mind has taken one more step towards reality with Elon Musk's latest venture. Mr. Musk believes the possibilities of this technology are limitless. But as is often the case with Musk, it isn't without controversy. Our Owen Faircloth has more. Elon Musk has upended the auto industry, space travel, and to an extent, social media. Now the head of Tesla, SpaceX, and X, formerly Twitter, is trying to master something akin to telepathy. That's a big deal. Um, that is a monumental achievement, honestly. Musk is also the founder of Neuralink and recently announced the company implanted its first chip in a human brain. He isn't the first into this field. Trials around the world have been underway for some time to test how people can control a computer or potentially any device with their minds. This has enormous potential for overcoming paralysis and using prosthetics. But Musk's achievement using wireless technology is considered a milestone. The real proof in the pudding is going to come from where are we at six months, 12 months, 24 months. <laughs> if the device continues to function well on that time frame, now the landscape has changed. And Musk is thinking beyond the confines of this current experiment to how these kinds of brain implants could be integrated into everyday life, ultimately countering the risks posed by artificial intelligence. Elon Musk has not been shy about saying, you know, we why just focus on the medical space? We can, you know, there are other things that we can use it for, you know, store our memories, access the way we want. So this is like... Even like to be able to go against the threat of artificial intelligence. But if this technology can control AI, there are fears about the potential medical impact. Could be brain hemorrhage, could be you know, seizures, even though they're using a novel way to uh, implant the device. We just don't know if it's truly going to be a more safer approach uh, for human patients.
Some doctors and lawmakers also raised concerns that primates used to test the technology were euthanized after suffering seizures and paralysis from the brain implants. Neuralink said it experimented only on primates with pre-existing conditions and that they were euthanized under anesthesia. Owen Fairclough, CGTN, Washington. So almost half a century has passed since the term brain-computer interface was introduced to the world. Now, this technology involves establishing direct communication between the human brain and external devices, such as computers or robotic limbs, and has become a primary research focus when it comes to the life sciences. Our Yang Chengxi explores the latest achievements in this field. Can we hook our brains to computers? to communicate with our minds, control prosthetics, or even replay memories. These film plots that capture people's imaginations now seem to be a step closer to reality. This video has over 6 million views on YouTube. It's a monkey with a brain implant playing a video game with nothing but its mind. The name of the technology is brain-computer interface. To grasp the idea behind how it works, I visited a company in Hangzhou City and was welcomed by an employee who shook my hand with a robot arm. I was injured when I was 12 years old and had to undergo amputation. Last year, I was fitted with this intelligent prosthetic hand. The device incorporates a brain-computer interface and AI. It collects and processes electrical signals generated by human muscle movement to control the actions of the prosthetic hand. In 2019, it was recognized by Time magazine as one of the top 100 best inventions of the year. I tried using a prototype. A smart band recorded biosignal patterns of my hand in various positions, after which the robot hand instantly started to mirror my movements. To demonstrate that it was indeed my brain that's controlling it, this became more of an exercise of the mind than the arm. After a bit more practice, I got better at it. Now, if I really concentrate, I can open this robot fist just by thinking about it. Then we had a mini car race. The speed depended on how hard you focus your mind. Such is the basic idea behind brain-computer interface wearable devices. Record biosignals from the body, interpret them, and turn them into machine commands. But these wearables represent only one direction the technology is taking. Another company makes a contraption that looks quite a bit more aggressive. These two electrodes are connected to a microprocessor fixed on the skull. Mr. Sun's head is planted with one of them. He's been suffering from epileptic seizures and had developed tolerance for medicines. So he volunteered at a clinical trial in Zhejiang in 2021 and received the implant. The microprocessors monitor the patient's brainwave activity in real time through the electrodes. When it detects abnormal brainwaves preceding an epileptic seizure, it delivers an electrical stimulus to suppress it. What's the process like of getting an approval for clinical trials? We have undergone scrutiny by regulators regarding ethics and technology and have obtained approval after conducting extensive animal experiments. We are the first in Asia to enter clinical trials for a brain-computer interface device for the treatment of epilepsy. When I asked about future challenges, many companies and academic experts gave me a surprising answer. 
One of the biggest hurdles is neither the hardware nor software, but basic research. Currently, we are still constrained by the limitations of basic research in neuroscience. In terms of our specific understanding of the brain, we are not yet particularly clear about the specific mechanisms of many functions in the deep brain regions. Yeah, because actually the brain is complex, and the brain uh, was a kind of taboo, and little research was in the brain before recent 15, 20 years. People were doing a lot of work with brain, but no, nothing invasive. The long-term effects of these early successes are being closely monitored. The complexity of the brain is considered one of the final frontiers in understanding the human body. This field has a long way to go, but it's hard not to get excited about what it could achieve in the future. Yang Chengxi, CGTN, Beijing. All right, so for more on brain-computer interface or BCI technology, I want to bring in Professor Gai Keke from the Beijing Institute of Technology's School of Cyberspace Science and Technology. Professor Gai, it is always a pleasure to have you on the program. Look, it seems like the stuff of science fiction absolutely coming true. An amazing report there from our Yang Chengxi. I want to begin with this country, Professor Gai. Where does uh, China stand when it comes to uh, BCI technology? Hi, Michael. Uh, I think China is at one of the leading positions in, in brain-computer interface fields. Uh, according to the open source, China has a large number of publications, patents, and projects in this field. Uh, as I know, for example, China has conducted a few uh, like brain-computer interface devices for, for human trials. Uh, moreover, China also releases an ethical guideline for brain-computer technology, which also uh, evidences the leading position of China. Hmm. And Elon Musk's Neuralink recently implanted its first chip into a human brain. I mean, how do you think about this? Would you consider this a milestone when it comes to BCI technology? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, it is said that the breakthrough is uh, the first try of uh, implanting the chip into uh, a human brain, uh, which is a great leap uh, in, in human-computer interactions. Uh, the technology actually has been mentioned in many science fiction or movies in the past. Now the, the exploration possibly proves many potentials of using the implanting chips for lighting up future applications such as like smart medical treatments and human ability enhancement. So it is meaningful for both uh, academia and the industry. Yeah, and as it stands right now, Professor Guy, what are the major challenges do you think face BCI technology? I mean, off the top of our heads, we can think about privacy concerns, ethical concerns, health-related concerns. What do you think? Oh, well, major challenges, as you mentioned, may include the ethical, social, technical, uh, and the regulatory issues or some other unknown issues we don't know yet. Uh, let me talk about this by, by giving examples. For example, uh, law and regulation issues are always a challenge in, in the emerging fields, just like BCI technology. Assume there was an instance caused by using BCI technology. So determining who will be responsible for the instance would be a challenge issue when considering like humans and uh, BCI service providers. Another issue is that it, it, it will be a challenge to protect privacy and humans' identities because of the product. Uh, will directly collect data uh, from humans' brain. Uh, so we, we can see there are lots of challenges in, in this field nowadays. Many thanks, as always, Professor Gai Keke from the Beijing Institute of Technology. I'm Michael Wong here in Beijing. Thanks for joining us.